Hello, world. Welcome to the Unwasted Mind podcast. I'm your host, Matt G, and this is episode two. Now, joining me today, we have Armani Talks. Armani is a communications coach who specializes in building and developing communication skills, um, specifically confidence and public speaking and things related to that nature. I've actually followed him on Twitter for several months now, and I'm, I'm subscribed to his email list, which has a lot of great advice and information on there for ways to develop your communication skills, uh, your confidence. Uh, he talks a lot about things like emotional intelligence. Uh, he's got a really great message on Twitter. So I really wanted to reach out to him and get him on the show, because uh, I'm a fan of just his overall message, his energy, and everything he has to offer. And I've learned a lot just in a little bit of time that I've been following with him, so I'm really glad to connect with him and uh, have him on the show. So. Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this one. Armani, how you doing, man? Yo, Matt, Matt, I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well myself, man. I'm, I'm really glad to have you on today. Really looking forward to this. And thank you for having me. I mean, automatically we hit it off the bat in our phone call, so I'm r- really excited for today's episode. Yeah, man. Me too. Me too. It's always great whenever you can kind of get things kicked off with the right energy and kind of get that vibe going. So yeah, man. And I'm excited to have you as my second guest. So it's really a good way to help keep me motivated and keep this shit going, man. Exactly. Just once, once you get the momentum going, it just, it, it becomes like a drug. You know, you, you, you feel that energy. Oh man, that's what it's all about. I'm already feeling it, man. It's almost like I've been on yeah. a high. It's like I've been on a high all week. So yeah, keeping it going and kind of get my weekend started is, is perfect. So, yeah, man. Um, okay, so as we get started, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, give them like a brief summary of your journey and kind of what got you to doing what you're doing now, and uh, you know, give them a chance to get to know you a little bit better. For sure, for sure. So, I grew up in a very small village in Bangladesh, and during that time, I mean. I, my entire life, I was very expressive, very talkative, very loud. And um, out of nowhere one day, uh, due to Bangladesh being so bad with like poverty, crime and all that, my parents, they moved uh, us to the U.S. And by the time I came to the U.S., uh, I noticed that I was really struggling with speaking English. And I went from being this very talkative kid to being this very shy kid. And for the next few years, I felt as though that, you know, I was really inhibited and I felt as though that my communication skills were plummeting before my very eyes and my confidence was lowering in the process. Well, for the next few years, I decided that I was just going to become like this engineer, become this person that was just going to talk to machines, but not people, (laughs) you know? Yeah. By the time I got into college, I decided that I was tired of being like this shy kid, and I really wanted to dictate a lot of my energy and focus into communications. Now, um, Matt, communications in itself is such an ambiguous topic, but I wanted to really clarify it with engineering principles. I wanted to make it uh, a system, a structure that people could follow. So throughout my journey, you know, I did Toastmasters. I did... Um, leadership positions for my fraternity, I started uh, clubs. And during this journey, I really worked on my communication skills. But more importantly, I really tried to find ways to simplify it. And that's basically what's gotten me to where I am today, where I've developed Armani Talks, where I share my message with the world, and I help people conquer their internal world so they can control their external reality. That's awesome, man. That sounds like a hell of a journey right there. How long, how long did that take you kind of from start to, uh, to, to present day to where you're at now? 
it took me a long time, man. I mean, believe it or not, it took me like two decades because if you wow. think about it, yeah, if you think about it, I came to Bangladesh to the uh, U.S. when I was five and I'm 27 now. So I've been basically making this journey for the longest time. And Matt, you've ever heard of the term like turn your biggest uh, pain into your greatest strength? Oh, yeah, man. That's become like my motif right now. <laughs> exactly. And you find it weird when the thing that used to scare you the most is something that like nowadays exhilarates you the most. Like back in the days, if you were to say like, Armand, you'd be teaching people public speaking skills or just communication skills in general. I'd just be like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but nowadays it's like, whoa, like it's really happening. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how that works. You go through these trials and tribulations that sort of steer you in these odd directions. And as you get pushed and pulled every which way, you don't really know where it's all going to lead. And at some moments you get so stuck, you kind of end up sort of struggling to figure out what exactly it is you want your vision to be or where you want to go. So at that point, if someone were to tell me that I would actually be having this podcast going right now and I would be continually building unwasted mind and doing the things that I had envisioned before, but until you actually uh -huh. see it come to fruition and take action, you can't really, it doesn't really come to life. So yeah, I wouldn't have believed them either had they told me I would have been linking up with individuals like yourself and uh, talking about a discussion like this, man. So it's exciting whenever it actually starts to take fold and, and come into it, you know, come into to, to light. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you're like present in the movie and you don't really know what the next scene is, but exactly. it, it, keeps, it keeps you uh, encouraged. So why don't you, uh, you said you got into Toastmasters. Why don't you, for the listeners who don't know what Toastmasters is, why don't you talk a little bit about that experience? Because from what I've been told about it, it can be a, a pretty uh, stressful experience and kind of scary because I, I hear they just kind of, they throw you into the woodworks, man. They kind of throw you to the wolves and just ha have you sort of yeah. seeing exactly how much your limitations are when it comes to, to communication, public speaking and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. So Toastmasters for your listeners, it's actually uh, one of the number one public speaking clubs in the world. So there are clubs internationally. It's not just in the United States, which helps. And it's a club that's really designed for building communication skills, predominantly in public speaking. And the more that you develop these public speaking skills, the more confident you become. Now, I do agree with you in many ways that um, Toastmasters can seem very daunting for someone with like massive speech anxiety because you don't even want to talk in front of two to three people. And, you know, when you're entering your first Toastmasters meeting, you don't even know how many people there could be. So um, the, the, that's one part. I mean, it could be daunting as in, yeah, you may get called on for a table topics, but the good thing about Toastmasters is that it's a very, very supportive environment. I mean, by far one of, I've been to many clubs in my life, but Toastmasters is one of those clubs where um, it just seems like everyone wants to help each other is because everyone is there for the same reasons and that's to become a better public speaker. So typically when they see a new member, they will challenge them in a friendly way because they were once uh, in the same stage where the new member is. You know, so uh, just with certain uh, a certain level of encouragement, it forces these new members to take action and see uh, what they're really made out of. You know, um, like my first ever uh, speech, 
uh, I got called to do uh, a table topics and I was terrified. And, you know, to this day, I, I can still recall that moment. <laughs> but in many ways, like during that time, I hated it. But a few years later, I'm like, thank God they called me on stage. Otherwise, you know, who knows if I would have taken action at that time. Yeah, that's, that's another one of those things to where when you have a, a, an experience like that, that has that, that big of an effect on you, and it's obviously serves as a turning point for you, this journey that you're on. And as scary as it is, and as, as bad as it may suck in that moment, it continually becomes a point of reference for you as you continue to develop. So you can see exactly how far you can, you've come. It's almost like a metric you can use. So any metric. Yeah. So anytime that I kind of look back at, at where I'm at now and comparison to where I was at, God, a year ago, I don't need, it's hard to think about that. <laughs> but when I do, when I do go to that place mentally for a minute and you tap into how you felt emotionally, it kind of kickstarts that inner drive again. So maybe you need a little Absolutely. bit of a, yeah, you need a little bit of a refreshment and be like, Hey man, I think I'm kind of maybe getting a little stagnant. Maybe things are kind of standing still. What do I need to do to change this up? And then you sit there and reflect and you, you tap back into that time were you in that initial moment that kind of kickstarted your journey? And it's just, it, it, it serves as a point of, of just a push that helps push. you just, yeah, just helps you kind of get back on track and get back to being focused again. So it's kind of interesting how that kind of plays out for, for a lot of people. And for the most part, the people that I've connected with, it, it's very similar for them as well. And they all, they all have that, that, that starting point that was hard as hell and scary and, and you know, their emotions and their mind was probably going a million different directions. And all of a sudden, like you said, taking action, that's the big step. That's the, the big thing when it comes to that. I think a lot of people, they fail to really recognize or realize that, that it's important for them is to take action. Yeah. Because if you think about it, uh, a lot of, if you trace back a lot of your significant moments in life, you'll notice you took action from feeling a lot of pain. I mean, I genuinely wanted to become this really good public speaker because for my first ever table topics, I couldn't say a single word. Now, that gave me a lot of pain, but that sparked action. But same with uh, just self-improvement in general. If you, if you tackle what made you take that action, you'll often see the root of it was something that was painful. I mean, if your life is going extremely well, if everything's working out the way that you're expecting it to, what's going to really make you take it to that next notch, right? But it feels like that pain is serving, as you said, it's kind of like this little engine that's within you and it's lighting your fire and helping you like reach uh, new levels. Yeah, no, definitely. So what is it about public speaking and communication in general uh, that, that motivated you, that sort of be, that became your focus and why why did you feel that that was important for you and what what did that look like as far as you doing it for yourself and then reaching a point to where you're at now to where now you're taking what you've learned and you're sharing it with others and you're using it as as the the building blocks for what you're trying to continually build outside of that and to help people in their own right that's such a good question because I always felt as though um, when I moved from Bangladesh to the United States of America, I felt like communication skills was my Achilles heel. You know, like picture Shaq and his free throws. <laughs> it's like, uh, amazing, but he just can't shoot free throws. And for me, I felt like that was like my free throws. And I, I'll be honest right now. I mean, for the longest time, I thought that was permanent. I thought like if you don't have communication skills now, you, you can never have it. Um, and that's when 
Toastmasters, it kind of shed that limiting belief. It was like, no, I mean, just like everything worth learning, it's a skill set. So when I found out it was a skill set, I felt more empowered to do something about it. And ever since I got into this world, I, I realized that our entire lives, I mean, we've just been winging communication skills. I mean, if you think about it, Matt, did anyone ever say like, Matt, this is how you make a friend. This is how you turn a stranger into a friend. No, no. what happens is you have to throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Matt, did anyone ever tell you how to, uh, if some, if there's a tension between you and another person, how to resolve it? No, no, not at all. And that ends up becoming something that you find out because it becomes something that uh, serves as, as a problematic that creates more friction between you and that person. I think a lot of people just end up wanting it to just go away or just ignore it until all of a sudden it turns into a conflict that you have no control over. Absolutely. And that's a good response. And another one, and believe it or not, this is communication skills as well. Like say people that are going through a heartbreak, that's communication skills with your internal world. Do people ever get classes on how to overcome a heartbreak in school? No. So they're like, oh, what do I do? So they do a lot of these impulsive things. They start taking drugs. They start partying nonstop alcohol. It's all because there's a lack of answers. And if you go to the root of a lot of things, uh, a lot of pain comes from not being able to express yourself and not being able to get your words and ideas out to the world. So that was one of my missions, Matt. I mean, it was really about not just for me, because I genuinely like it. I feel like the more that I learn about it, the more that I can develop it. But I want other people to feel empowered too, to understand that, listen, if you are a shy kid now, if you are like really introverted and you overthink social situations, your story can literally change starting tomorrow if you take the effort to change it. Yeah, definitely. You know, they say that people's biggest fear is actually public speaking. And what's interesting <laughs> about what's interesting about that is for me personally, that's actually never been an issue. I guess that's why uh, I've kind wow. of t- I've okay. taken to a liking to podcasting because it's something that I already had uh, the skill deep down kind of just naturally. But of course, you know, there's these there's different difficulties that come with this and actually turning into something that becomes a public space for people to actually listen and take something. And they're obviously going to be critical and critique whatever they feel about the subject matter and whatnot. But when it comes to actually speaking in front of like a class, I never had problems with that. I was actually always excited to do public speeches and presentations because for some reason I managed to shine in that way. So wow, um, that's amazing. Yeah. But at the same time you do find out, even if you have that skill, you do find out where your limitations may lie. So even though it's never been a problem for me, it's not like I don't get butterflies in my stomach whenever I'm doing something that involves that. Or uh, So the listeners don't really know this about me uh, as far as my past goes, my background, but so I'm a music recording artist and getting up on stage and me being uh, a vocalist of sorts, that's something that I naturally did well at, and I got better at as time went by. But before every show, I still got butterflies in my stomach. I still got nervous. I still was kind of had that voice telling me deep down, like, if you screw this up, man, you know, like <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to, they're not going to be happy about this. And how's that going to feel and whatnot. But as soon yeah. as, as soon as I had that mic in my hand and the music started playing, it was over, it was game on. It's almost like mm-hmm. uh, an athlete of some sort, you know, going out there. And as soon as they step on the floor or they step on the field, it's like all of a sudden they're at home 
And, uh, but I, I also find it interesting that I have close friends that they would come to my shows and uh, one of them actually, he would tell me continuously, he's like, hey man, I would always get nervous for you. I would, I would actually feel like puking just because I was watching you and hoping <laughs> you would have fucked. And he would tell me that and, and I would just be like, really, man? Like, I, uh-huh. I, I mean, what, what's that all about? And he would just tell me. Like, oh, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, honestly, man, that's my biggest fear. So even watching you do it scared the shit out of me. So uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about that? Why do you think that is? Why do you think public speaking is such a, a big fear for a lot of people? And even you know, for yourself and your own personal experience? It, it was because of the eyes, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll be very specific. When I saw uh, a lot of these eyeballs just like looking at me, um, it, it was just like, it was very unnatural. Because if you think about it, in our day-to-day lives, how, do you, how often do you have 10 plus people just looking at you? It, it's an unnatural movement. And when people have other people's eyes on them, it brings awareness to their entire body. So if you're someone that's unconfident as it is, and now you have an army of eyeballs looking at you, that makes you even more unconfident. So um, that's why people say, like, look at other people's eyeballs to see exactly how confident they are. The eyes never lie. And that's because eyes tie into confidence. But the reason that I was really afraid was for that particular reason. I wasn't really used to, you know, being the center of attention like that. And if you look at people like your friend, you mentioned that is afraid of public speaking. If you put him on the stage, the first thing that he's going to do is he's going to drop his chin. It's a primal move to avoid the eye contact. The next thing he's going to do is he's going to have his arms crossing his chest a lot, his torso area. Once again, he's protecting his heart and lungs. Um, And that's another primal move. And you make primal moves like this, Matt, when you're put in a situation that's very, very out of the norm. So that's why I think most uh, public speaking is one of the number one fears in the world. Because think about it. How often are we taught this subject growing up? Never. Never never really, unless you took like a speech class or something. Never. And just picture this for a second. Imagine, Matt, you don't know how to drive, right? And I'm like, hey, Matt, here's a car. Uh, Go figure it out. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to be like, you're going to freak out. (laughs) Freak out. So what we do with public speaking is these people are never taught how to public speak. And then we're like, hey, here's the stage. Uh, Just speak. No, I mean, that's why it makes people nervous. I mean, in your case, it's like amazing that like you always had like this uh, penchant for it and you're a musician. So you kind of deal with that stuff, like being the center of attention. But imagine this guy that like he's a little introverted as it is. He's shy or something. (laughs) Imagine him just being thrown into the lines then. Boom. That's that's like lighting um, gasoline on fire. What's crazy, though, about that, I'm glad you mentioned that, because it, it, it was, I mean, there's a reason why I reached out to you. There's a reason why I connect with your messages and why I, I subscribe to your email list, because even though I may have that knack for public speaking and, and performing, at the same time, I actually am, uh, I took a Myers-Briggs test, and I actually am 51% introverted. So I'm just, oh, okay. in, I'm just introverted enough to limit me and limit me in certain spaces and I'm extroverted enough to, I guess, help me get by in certain situations. And obviously when I feel like I'm in my own element, I do thrive. So if I'm on stage or if I'm around other artists, I feel a little bit more in my comfort zone at the same time. 
I actually struggle in regular situations. So you take music away from me. Um, you take a situation to where I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm actually, uh, I excel at, or I feel like that I can do well at. You take that away and it's almost like I'm a fish out of water. So in random social situations, so okay, let's say for instance, you're out with your friends and there's six or seven of you. And if you ever go out to any city uh, in any situation on the weekends, Obviously, you'll see, you'll see mostly people grouping up. You'll see people, you know, groups of three, four, five, maybe seven, eight, and, you know, and every now and then you'll see one or two people kind of by themselves. And I've, I've been that person who's been in a large group, been in a small group, and actually been by myself. And the energy is so different in every situation. So anytime that I find myself in a situation where maybe I know one person or two people, or maybe you just know one person out of a group of seven, and you're not really doing your job to actually get more involved in connecting and building that social dynamic between all of you, you feel a little bit isolated, you start withdrawing. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, for me, I started realizing whenever I would be out and about and I wouldn't be in a situation to where, yeah, people know me because uh, they know me as a performer. Or maybe I'm at a, at a show and people recognize me because they you know, recognize the fact that, hey, I saw you at a show a couple weeks ago. You're really good. Da, 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 da. It helps kind of continue to sort of pull you back into that space of comfort. But whenever nobody knows who you are and nobody gives a damn and you're just like everybody else, you sort of lose sight of that. So that's where you my decide. yeah, that's where my limitation actually set into play, which is this, which is where I started realizing where my level of insecurities actually are and you know where my confidence needs to be built and it's easy to actually convince yourself that you have a certain level of confidence because you're used to the situation so mm -hmm. yeah and i didn't realize that until i actually had to see it for myself and, and and of course when you have things like introducing alcohol into the mix and of course alcohol will numb that feeling which is why they call Total that moment. yeah so why people have liquor courage so they have a couple liquid drinks courage, in there that's, that's what they it, call it <laughs> yeah liquid, liquid courage so they can go approach that girl or they can actually feel comfortable talking to strangers or whatnot and uh, whenever you don't have that crutch to lean on you come to recognize how you you're lacking in that way and that's why a lot of people are probably more introverted than they they think because maybe they haven't been pulled out of that that space of comfort for themselves. So that's something that I had to realize for myself. Absolutely, absolutely. And just to take it even a little further, um, I wrote this email recently, or it was a blog. I forgot which one it was, but I said that our generation was going to see a rise in loners. Um, so there's a difference between lone, like lonely, and loner. Lonely is when um, you generally don't think anyone cares about you, right? Yeah. Loner is when you know people care about you, but you generally like your own presence more than the presence of other people. Now, the reason I said that there's going to be more loners in today's generation is because of excess comfort. Think about it. Being social requires work. It requires attention, energy, and time. But a Netflix, <laughs> Netflix, um, Uber Eats and just chilling at home, that doesn't really require um, as much energy. It doesn't require so a damn thing. <laughs> yeah, so what's going to happen? A lot of people, they're going to be uh, transitioning to be like, why do I need to be social in the first place? I'll just go ahead and just chill by myself. But here's the thing. You remember how you mentioned with uh, introverts, uh, a lot of them, they don't know they're introverted because of alcohol. Yeah. Well, with loners, a lot of them don't know they're loners because of social media, where they are connecting with people, where they are talking with people on the digital space. So for their subconscious mind, they think, well, I'm being social. 
but in reality, <laughs> they're being loners. So I do agree with you in terms of our generation is going to see a lot of changes in social dynamics. It's not going to be like the previous generations where uh, in many ways it was either be extroverted or, or die. You know, like imagine yeah. you have tr- like our primal ancestors, you have tribes and everything like that. One guy couldn't be like, all right, well, I'm going to go chill by myself and like, you know, re-energize. You were forced to be with your tribe. So each generation has like different sets of social dynamics. In your case, I'm glad you brought it up, um, where alcohol maybe is preventing a lot of people who think they're extroverts from not realizing they're actually introverts. Yeah, and I really think that until you and this is one of those those con those situations or or kind of concepts that you don't really think about it if it's not affecting you and if you feel like you have no need to connect with strangers and you have no need to actually pull yourself out of that comfort zone and and you're okay with just hanging out with your same friends every single weekend week in week out um and it doesn't bother you but at the same time what's really interesting about that is because we are social animals by nature, I mean, this is a part of what drives us and, and, and makes us who we are. There's a reason why you're out and about and you're, you know, out in a downtown scene or you're out in a club or a bar or you're, you're out in the world and you're not at home and you're not hanging out at somebody's apartment. So obviously, if you want to just have you and your friends and doing what you're doing, obviously, you're going to hang out at somebody's house. But you're going out in public for a reason, right? However, yes. a lot of people, they won't want to be bothered. So you'll, you'll hear this a lot when it comes to people complaining about their experiences over the weekend and maybe it comes to, to girls complaining about the guys that, the pro, that approached them that maybe made them feel uncomfortable or, or whatever it may be guys who complained about how they didn't have fun because of this and that. And it's, it's interesting because you have to wonder, well, why are you out? Why are you out if you can't handle being around other people that you don't know and, and what you're, you're out there for a reason, right? You wanted to connect with people. You just, you had a vision in your head as to the kind of people you thought you were going to come across. And whenever you come to find out that maybe not everybody is like you, or maybe they dress differently, or maybe they look differently, or maybe they behave differently, or maybe they, mm-hmm. they, they, they talk funny or whatever it may be, it bothers you. You shut them out and then you withdraw and then immediately you go into that defense mode to where you, know, you want nothing to do with with that person or those people. And then of course you chalk it up with your friends afterwards. Like, Oh, did you see that guy at the bar? Try to talk to so-and-so. Oh, that was so funny. And it's just like, damn, bro, that dude was just trying to have a conversation. They were just trying to be friendly and open. That's what you're doing, right? That's why you're out there. That's why you're out. Yeah. So it's funny how we, maybe we're just not enough people are aware that that's, there's, there's a reason why all this is going on around them and they're not really taking the minute to actually evaluate and maybe enhance their experience and kind of enrich their, their opportunities. Cause you never know you, you go out and about, I've met some pretty amazing people just randomly, you know, while I'm out having a drink or maybe just walking around, not having a drink and just people watching and going out and grabbing an appetizer and sitting down somewhere. And whether I'm talking to the bartender or the person next to me, or maybe I'm at a show and there's somebody else watching the, the band or whatever. And you know, mm-hmm. we, get, we get into conversation. You can really make some great connections, but you got to be open to it. You got to at least fill it out a little bit and, and connect with it. I think that's important. Yeah. Yes. That's why a small talk, um, those who have the, uh, like the small talk muscle, or at least even try to develop the small talk muscle, they're in a significant advantage in the social world. They have the, a social superpower because the ability to small talk, Matt, it actually makes you like a social chameleon, a chameleon. 
you're able to adjust settings very quickly. You're able to build foundations with random strangers, like you just mentioned, because you could be the most popular guy in your friend group, but what if we take you out and put you in a new friend group? How are you then? The person who does have the ability to small talk, build or spark the conversation, build rapport, and then strengthen the friendship. That's a person that's going somewhere. The other person that's like, oh, well, I'm just going to like show an attitude a bit until my friend group comes back. <laughs> They're not going far. They're actually just going to uh, repulse people and repel people at the same time with the energy that they're sending off. Do you feel like that that's a, that's a rare, that is a rarity, isn't it? To actually have that small talk ability because I, me personally, uh, it takes a while or it takes me actually feeling more comfortable and confident in myself in that situation to be okay yeah. with small talk. And, and, and I'm not one of those people that just, again, while I may thrive in some situations when it comes to communication, that's an area that I struggle with. And even when I'm with my family and they're talking about things that I just don't have the biggest interest in, I'll kind of shut down a little bit and I'll just kind of sit there and be quiet and not say a word. And then of course also get stuck in my head after a minute and then tell myself like, damn, why are you not being involved in this conversation? What is it that's going on here? That's not allowing you to connect and it's creating this, this tension within and it's causing me not to have a good time. And it's not a good feeling at all because you want to have a good time, especially with your, with friends or family. You don't want to feel like you're uncomfortable or like you're forced to be there or whatnot. That's one of the worst feelings in the world. It's, it's kind mm -hmm. of, it goes back to that, that what you were saying about, a loner and being being lonely it's a that's another form of loneliness whenever you're surrounded by people and you just can't connect you feel lonely and you feel isolated and you feel like an outsider so uh, why do you think that's such a rarity with people and what does it take to actually develop those small talk skills so the, first of all it takes a lot of deprogramming because if you look on tv what do you normally see like uh, what are people small talking about you hear like Hey, Johnny, uh, how's the weather? Uh, hey, Billy, like, how's your lawn? You hear about these random topics and you just hear random questions being uh, thrown at you. I actually just did a YouTube video about this today. I literally released it like two hours ago. So I'm really glad you brought up the question. It's that people, number one, they don't think that small talk is a skill. They just think some people are good at it. Some people like, you know, are bad at it. But ultimately, it's a skill. Now, the question is, is there a framework for it, right? Or are you just kind of winging it? Are you just going up to a person and asking them random questions? Well, the answer is there is a framework. And I break down the framework in four simple steps. So the first uh, step is to get the name and use the name. What happens is a lot of people, they'll get the name simply for formality's sake. And I'm sure you and I have been guilty of this. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> we talked to someone, we're like, what's your name? And then like two minutes later, we're like, what Shit. the hell what? is this person? <laughs> what were they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so why do you have to get this name? It's because the person you're talking to is a stranger. So they have this guard up, right? But in order for a, a, the small talk to be effective, you need to build an emotional bridge with the stranger. How do you do that? Well, the name as Dale Carnegie said, is the sweetest sound in someone else's world. So Matt is the sweetest sound in your world. Armand is the sweetest sound in my world. So when I'm a stranger and I'm saying your name, it's actually sparking emotional charges within you. Okay, that's one. Use the name because now it's building this emotional bridge. Two is you need to ask questions with curiosity and for commonality. What does that mean? So... 
have you ever had that moment, Matt, where like people are asking you questions, but there's no direction? Um, Matt, how's your day? Good. Uh, Matt, how's your dog? Uh, good. And it's like, the, there's no pattern in the questions. It just yeah. feels like you're getting interrogated. Yeah. Well, what happens is when you approach the person with genuine curiosity, like I genuinely want to know about this person because the person seems interesting. Your subconscious mind sends off different energy. And now you're making the stranger feel important, which is a human desire. Okay. So instead of asking random questions, approach it with curiosity. Who is this person? Let me try to get to know more about them. And this person is going to like you more for it. So you got the curiosity part down. Next is commonality. Okay. Well, what kind of questions am I asking? Well, now you're asking questions to find similarities. When you and I were talking on the phone yesterday, when we were asking each other questions, we both found out that we're really into self-improvement, you know? And from yeah. there, automatically, we felt that connection. Humans love humans that they have similarities with, some rapport. But some people may be like, okay, uh, that's cool and all, Armand, but what if I can't find any commonalities? What if this person is that different? That's fine. But as you're asking questions with a framework of curiosity and you're searching for commonalities, you're going to find a lot of cool things about that person, right? Yeah. Now that emotional bridge is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So that's step number two, asking questions with structure. Three, if the person is cool, exchange contact information. Now you've turned a stranger into a potential social opportunity. And then four, you follow up with the person, which is hands down the most important step. But that's the step that people forget, you know. Um, but it's important because it's kind of like you blowing in a balloon and never tying the knot. <laughs> it's a waste of time. But now it's kind of like this ambiguous thing, like a small talk. Oh, what is that? To now, whoa, there's a four-step formula. Use the name. Ask questions with structure. Uh, exchange contact information and follow up. And when you, ha when you bring clarity, now you're approaching each interaction with more confidence. But to answer your question, people don't know, know about small talk, care to know about small talk, because they don't approach it with frameworks. They just wing it. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's, that's a great approach. That's, I, that, those are things that would sound like that they would be something that you would understand or maybe you would come to recognize or, or develop an understanding of over time. But it's funny how long we go throughout our lives without even taking any interest in that or, or whether or not we think that that's something that we can help develop. Um, so taking that and keeping that in mind, that actually sparks something that I was thinking about earlier and that I was going to mention uh, during this podcast. Do you think that's the reason because that framework that you're talking about, that's something that obviously sounds like it mainly works in a person-to-person -person situation. So you obviously have to be in person with another, another individual, exchanging that energy, you know, look, yeah. obser observing each other, you know, seeing each other's reactions, their emotive responses, listening to the tonality of their voice and whatnot. Do you think that's also why uh, it's difficult for people to develop real solid connections online? So let's say you use social media or dating apps, because whenever you're approaching a completely cold connection and you're forcing a way in, that person doesn't know you. They have no framework to build from. They have no point of reference to actually create some type of relativity between the two of you. And then you have so many people really striving to create a connection out of nowhere. And like you mentioned earlier, we're in this, this really strange time to where there's a lot of loners who they want that connection and maybe they never developed the skills to build it. 
because they didn't have the confidence to for whatever reason. So they're trying to actually implement that online, but it's not working because, you know, the, the, this framework doesn't work that way. And, and what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, that's so true because, uh, I mean, in order for two humans to like really, really trust each other, three things need to happen. They need to be able to see each other's eyes, hear the voice and see the palms. Now, when you're approaching someone, like say through a dating app or through, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, a social media, it, you're not really seeing that, you know, like say you just DM'd me and we're just talking through text. Now we're doing the Skype call, but before that we did the phone call. So you're kind of strengthening it, but yeah, I mean, in many ways, man, I mean, this is a very unique time that we're living in because most interactions are happening digitally, but you're kind of approaching the digital space without building the foundations first. So the, in many ways, yes, that does hurt the social skills, but in many ways there is also a, a bright side to this. So I don't want to upset your viewers. <laughs> if you can, if you can like really find good methodologies to succeed online and you're analyzing these frameworks, like, okay, this person rejected me, but I'm not going to take it personally, but this interaction worked. Why did it work? Why did that person reject? And now you apply it in real life. You're going to have a lot of conversation frameworks that you can use from the digital space to the real life space. It's just a matter of using it. I mean, Matt, like, just think about it. How many people do you see on a daily basis that really can't hold a conversation nowadays? It's, they genuinely, like, it feels awkward. The energy is off. It's, it's not because they're malicious or anything. It's because they're in their head more than their body. And for an interaction to work out smoothly, you have to be in your body, not in your head. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot, especially in the personal development sphere. And a lot of people talk about that. And that's one of those things that I had to recognize for myself, how I was doing it and how it was preventing me from really making solid connections in any given space, no matter what the environment is. And you talked earlier about how you have to deprogram yourself. That, that's something that you don't realize how programmed you are to sort of take those off to sort of behave oh in that autonomous God. way, almost like, almost like a robotic way, means of connecting and talking and communicating until all of a sudden you find yourself feeling awkward or uncomfortable in a situation. And then you're asking yourself, why do I feel this way? And what's funny about that is that you end up blaming the other person. You end up thinking, oh, that person made me feel awkward because of whatever reason. It's just like, well, maybe to a certain degree, but I think you had something to do with it too. As a matter of fact, both of you were just lacking there and you obviously neither you really yeah. know how to communicate effectively and neither you have that small talk, uh, those small talk skills and that ability to develop a rapport. And it's crazy because it being, being at the time that we're at today with social media being such an important part of our everyday lives, because it's, it's come from a place of just being fun, cheeky entertainment to where now uh -huh. it's, it's a part of your everyday life, whether you're using it to, to connect socially, whether you're using it to keep in contact with your family and give them updates as to what's going on, whether you're using it professionally and to offer the world whatever it is that you're, if you're a creative and you're offering them uh, more of your product or whatever, or it means for you to build online connections that can maybe serve as, as uh, business connections or clients or customers for your business or whatever. It's an important part of our lives. So now we have to learn mm -hmm. how to use it and, and use it in ways that's actually going to benefit us and because it got so big so fast we're now seeing how many people 
don't know how to handle themselves, even online. It's one thing to not be able to handle yourself offline because we all know that how the struggles that we may have while we're out in the world. If you can't even control how you react and behave while you're on the damn internet and you actually have some time to think about what you're, you know, what you're spreading to other people, the messages you're sending, the way you're reacting. You, I mean, just take a YouTube comments, for instance. YouTube has been oh. around, YouTube has been around for what, like 15 years or something? And people still can't manage to be civil in the YouTube comment section. Oh. I, I, was, I was watching a, a Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast that he did recently with, do uh, you know who Hotep Jesus is? I saw that episode getting shared on my uh, timeline. Oh, okay. Well, I watched that. And of course, a lot of people were talking about it. And I'm familiar with who Hotep is. I've seen him on Twitter uh, for, for quite some time. I just recently followed him because I kind of dug what he was uh, sharing on the podcast. And he's definitely a lot to digest. He definitely has a lot of beliefs that a lot of people, especially if you if you haven't developed that bit of uh, maybe awareness that he has at that capacity because of his vast uh, a personal experience with how he's educated himself and the things that he believes in, you're probably going to take a lot of that uh, and not really, it's not really going to resonate with you. But the YouTube comment section in that one, oh my God, it was ridiculous. And it's like, these are adults. These are, these are grown ass adults, probably in their twenties <laughs> and thirties and forties behaving oh. like little school children. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, damn, people still don't know how to be civil on the damn internet. And Facebook can be just as bad. If you look at Facebook threads, yeah. They can be just, especially when you looked at the 2016 election, what was going on with that? Twitter, Twitter too. Twitter too. Yeah. And it, it, it's strange how it just goes to show that, damn, we still have a long ways to go. The way I look at the human race and how much I felt we could have evolved by now, considering all the changes that have been made when you we take a look at history and industrialization and the tech era and what's going on now, you started looking at, I guess, all the, uh, the negative energy being spread around and the people that are just obviously kind of going crazy. And that's a big part of why I created unwasted mind to get a little bit more of a deeper understanding as to what we have to do to develop ourselves in every aspect, spiritually, mentally, intellectually, emotionally, socially, you know, in all these ways, that way we can help create stronger connections. We can help build a better understanding of the world we live in and hopefully make some changes so we can make the world a better place because the way it's headed right now with a lot of the mental mm. health problems, there's all these contributing factors that we're not taking into consideration. And it, it's, it's, it's eye-opening and depending on your mindset and the way that you're looking at it, it can be quite scary, intimidating. But also, it's also an opportunity to recognize things we need to work on in ways that we can maybe find resolutions and uh, to try to bring that back to uh, some type of point of some sort. I agree with everything you're saying, too. But <laughs> I appreciate that, man. But uh, I think it's important to understand in which ways that we all may be lacking when it comes to how confident we are in ourselves and how that ends up showing and, and, and surfacing in our day-to-day -day communications. So before we run out of time, we probably have about 10, 15 minutes left. Um, why don't you share a, to the listeners a little bit about ways they can help develop that confidence and where that sense of not being confident and that, and that insecurity you may have, where it comes from and how you can recognize when, when it's affecting you in your day-to-day -day life and your experiences, whether it be just socially, professionally, romantically, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the first thing really comes from the mindset part, which is um, if you think about it, uh, our our brain is naturally programmed to be negative. And by that, I mean it places more emphasis on the negatives over the positives. Why? It's because think about our uh, ancient ancestors. Um, 
they had to always look out for the negatives for possible threats versus, you know, if they were having a good day, you know, because there could be a saber to tiger that eats them. So number one is to stop thinking with the amygdala too much, which is the fear processing part of the brain and think more of the prefrontal cortex. How do you do that? You do that through gratitude. And uh, a lot of people like they think gratitude is like this like hokey pokey lovey stuff, but it, it really is something that you need to begin off your confidence journey with. You need to do gratitude uh, two times a day. That's my preference. Uh, do it in the morning and do it at night. And don't just think about it, like either speak it or write it out. Okay, so that's number one. And the reason I say you need to do that is because instead of having a scarcity mentality where most humans, the, the reason they're never really confident is because even when they do have accomplishments, they're like, well, uh, Billy has this. Uh, Billy has more followers than me. How come I? And I'm like, yo, bro, you have like, say, um, 10,000 followers. This guy's like, well, why don't I have 14? This guy has 14. That's scarcity mentality. Um, so you need to first begin off with gratitude. That's my biggest uh, thing. And just to kind of seal this point home, uh, uh, just because it is that important, uh, picture bricks and cements, brick cement mentality. Now, Matt, let me ask you something. A bunch of bricks by itself, is it worth anything? No, it's just a stack of bricks. It's just a stack of bricks. But what if you get the bricks and you cement it and you turn it into a castle? Is it worth something now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what happens is the reason that humans aren't ever feeling confident is because they have a lot of bricks. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> they're, just, uh, they're just flimsy bricks with like no foundation. They're never acknowledging it which acknowledgement is the cement. And unless you acknowledge your accomplishments, you're always going to feel unconfident. So every single morning, wake up and count the small bricks and the big bricks too. Don't just count the big bricks, uh, aka the big accomplishments, because now you're conditioning your brain to only be happy with big accomplishments. Uh, count like the podcast that we're doing. It may seem small, but in the grand scheme of things, how many people have the ability to communicate via the internet to create content that'll last for lifetimes? Who knows? I mean, these are small bricks that you want to do. Anyways, number one is a gratitude. Number two is a mission. Um, the reason uh, that a lot of people have anxiety, if you really break it down, most anxiety is actually social anxiety. Most anxiety stems from not just fear of letting yourself down, but fear of being judged. Like really break down the last three things that gave you anxious thoughts. And I guarantee you perception of other people are involved. How do you rewire your brain towards that? You, you have a mission. And this is a mission that you need to advance on every single day. Uh, true happiness is about making progress. It's not really about uh, getting like that car, that Lambo. It's literally about making progress every single day. So unless you're making progress towards something, your brain's going to be like, all right, I guess what's really opinion is uh, important is other people's opinion. So that's number two, um, having a mission. And three, uh, like the third tip, and trust me, there are many more, but the third tip that I would recommend is uh, becoming best friends with yourself. 
and be- becoming best friends with yourself, it, it typically happens in the darkness. A lot of people, what they try to do is they bury their demons. They're like, oh my God, like uh, I have insecurities. Oh no, no, uh, uh, hide. And what happens is when you, uh, and this is an emotional law. I talk about this emotional intelligence a lot. When you try to suppress an emotion, it goes to the basement, works out and comes back 10 times stronger. But when you uh, become aware of uh, a dark emotion, uh, you gain the power back, you see? So uh, in order to become best friends with yourself, you need to learn to accept the good and the bad. Don't hide from your insecurities. Um, Instead, uh, embrace it so you can do something about it. Now your subconscious mind will look for resolutions. So those are my three predominant tips right now for your viewers. One, uh, acknowledge your accomplishments, aka gratitude. Two, have a mission. Three, get to know your good sides and your bad sides. And these three tips are, um, it's going to make you feel so much more confident. And believe it or not, it's going to give you an unfair advantage in many ways. Because if you look around you, most people at this point are not confident at where they are in life. So if you are someone who has a strong self-image, a strong self-worth, you're not a majority, you're a minority. So I just want your listeners to understand that. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Every single one of those are so on point. And I can definitely testify to every single one of that because those are all uh, very important things that I actually had to do for myself along my personal development journey. The gratitude one, I never really realized how important or how much uh, effect that would have on you until I started doing it. My mom actually helped me with that one quite a bit. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she told me, she's like, wake up every morning and list three things you're grateful for. And then so she would share with me her three things that she's grateful for and she has gratitude for. And she did that with me for a good, good couple of weeks while I was going through a really rough time. And mm-hmm. at first, it's crazy because I resisted that. You know, I sat there, I wanted to be negative. I don't have anything to be grateful for. I'm unhappy. My life's a mess. I'm heartbroken, this and that, you know, and I was just, I was mad. I'm like, how, how can you tell me to be grateful for things whenever I'm sitting there looking around, not even realizing like, Hey dude, you have a roof over your head. You have a comfortable bed. You had your, your bills are paid. You still have a job or you have a way to make money. You have a car, you have a way to get food. You got running water. And I'm sitting there, as I started doing that, I started looking around and being like, Holy shit, man, I got a lot of stuff that I can be grateful for. So then it turned my brain on to actually start finding those those things to be grateful for. And and I did the same thing, the little bricks and the big bricks. I started doing that unconsciously. It's like, okay, today, Mm. today something great happened. You know, I actually talked to this person. I made a new friend and this and this happened, or I made it to the gym today and actually reached a new goal with working out. Or, you know, I, I, I wrote today and I finished an article and published it online. I got an idea for a song and slowly but surely it started working. And it works. Yeah. It's incredible. So yeah, no, that, that's really powerful stuff right there. Um, uh, I, I was thinking of something else as well to kind of tie into that. Um, it, oh yeah. What you were saying about how most people aren't confident. Uh, I think that's something that at, you can say that. And it's sort of one of those statements that it, it, at first it may turn somebody off because you're, you know, you don't, you don't want to be lumped in that category, right? You don't want to be one of those people that's considered not confident. But the reason yeah, why I'm here, the reason why I'm here today talking to you is because I went ahead and and I actually, you know, did one of the things you were talking about. I accepted the bad parts about myself and I came to realize that like, shit, maybe you're not as confident as together as you think you are. Matter of fact, you're got a lot of shit that you need to deal with. You've got a lot of fucking issues. And if you don't 
tend to those. If you don't figure out how to work through that, whatever you're going through right now, it's going to turn into a cycle. You already know how the cycle works because you've been doing it to yourself your whole fucking life. And until you, right. make, until you make these changes, you're going to, you know, what's at the other end of this. You've been here before you recognize what this environment looks like around you. And when I admitted that, and I actually was okay with it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I might be a little bit insecure. I think I might have some confidence issues. I think I might, you know, and I started recognizing that instead of actually, and of course you go through that process of beating yourself up at first. You're like, damn it. Yeah. You know why? You're hard on yourself. Yeah. yeah. But when you start finding ways to work through that, whenever you start doing whatever it is you got to do, whether you're reading personal development books, whether you hire a coach, whether you start subscribing to, to personal development uh, professional emails, whether you start reading whatever, you know, books, podcasts, whatever, um, you start really learning how you, you have the opportunity to work through this and you have these tools around you and it yeah. can, it can really do wonders for you. And then another thing is if more people were confident, if they did have these skills, the world wouldn't be as fucked up as it is now. People wouldn't be as unhappy as they are now. They wouldn't be treating each other the way. They, there wouldn't be a, a fucking you know, 10,000 YouTube comments on Joe Rogan's video all talking <laughs> shit for no reason, sitting there tearing, tearing some guy down that they've never met in their life and they'll probably never meet. It's just like, dude, what was that really called for? <laughs> yeah, and there's two groups. See, here's the thing, beauty about confidence. You never reach it. It just, you keep on reaching it. So even at this state where we're 10 times more confident than ourselves 10 years ago, guess what? There's still many parts that we're vulnerable about that we can still improve. So 10 years later, we'll have more accomplishments. So what I was, what I'm basically getting at is like, there's two groups of people, and this is the minority, by the way, that knows they're always going to become more confident, more confident, because it's like a lifelong act. And then there's another group that's just melded in. They're like, well, I mean, I can't do it. Like, well, what's the point? And now they're like, well, you know what? I'm going to tear down other people that are on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is, I'm sure like there's some hidden jealousy there. And then boom, you get 10,000 comments. But the winners like you and me, we're not writing about, <laughs> we're not writing comments on strangers thing is because we're too busy chasing our most confident self. Yeah, no. And that's, that's the, that's the trick right there. And that's one thing that definitely it takes, it takes time. It takes humility it takes you taking the opportunity to take a step back look at your life evaluate it find ways to break it down reframe it find a new vision or visual to work with and rebuild it from scratch and when i actually had to go through that myself i realized how how much it had been missing from my life prior to and even when i had these things going on in my life that i actually thought that that, that i thought were actually going to lay the foundation to my future it wasn't until those things were ripped away and how they kind of, they exited my life. And I came to realize who I was without all of that. Whenever you realize who you are without all these things that you rely upon to give yourself confidence or happiness or, or whatever it is that you think that makes you happy, you don't really realize who you are down at the core. That shit's a motherfucker. And that's something that really it's, it's hard because you don't want to admit, you don't want to admit that, damn, I think I might not know who the hell I am without my spouse, without my friends, without this career, without this degree, without my social circle, without this, whatever, whatever your identity is. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I'm a this, I'm that, I'm that. It's just like, okay, dude, if I took all that shit to, to, from you tomorrow, who would you be? And then all of a sudden it floors you because you're like, um, I, I don't know. It's like, okay, where, where, where'd that bravado, where'd that bravado <laughs> go, point. bro? Yeah. Where'd that, where'd that sense of, of you're a badass go all of a sudden? Like, um, yeah. well, 
yeah, dude. But I mean, yeah, it, it humbles you, you know, but it's a good thing. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's scary. It, it's hard. It hurts. It, it, there's a lot of, a lot of growing pains with that, but in the end, or even through the process at the beginning, you start really breaking ground with that shit, man. That's the reason why me and you are here today and why we're going to keep doing what we're doing after this podcast is over, you know? Right. And you get to keep rebuilding yourself when you find out that, oh, whoa, like, I don't know what my identity is. Like, and a lot of people, like they go through these self-improvement journeys, like say after a really bad breakup where one part, like, you know, you're expecting yourself to be with this person for the rest of your life, then boom, it, it's done. It's ended. And you're like, well, what the heck? I'm getting all this free time back. What do I do now? And now it's <laughs> a matter of rebuilding yourself, becoming complete, and then entering that uh, next stage uh, fully complete. Do you think, before we, before we wrap this up, do you think that there's people out there that, I mean, I, I would, you know, I hate to say this and it kind of would be a sad reality if that's the case. Do you think there's people out there that are so stuck or maybe they're so unable to see this or to develop what were, you know, there's themselves in this way that maybe it's just not possible for them. Do you think there's any element of, of genetics there, or maybe uh, they're too psychologically manipulated by, you know, maybe their parents, their upbringing, uh, their lifestyle, their location, whatever. Do you think there's some people out there that uh, obviously it's difficult for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. Do you think there's some people out there that they just, they just won't get it or it just won't make sense to them. Or, you know, maybe they'll continuously just, there's the, there's this really strange, um, uh, sort of uh, concept that's being spread around in the personal development arena about this like basically uh, accepted life of mediocrity that a lot of people are living in, which is of course contributing to their unhappiness. Uh, do you think some people are just destined to live mediocre lives? And if they are, if that's the case, do you think there's a way for them to actually develop themselves in maybe a different way so that it doesn't feel so... Um, uh, unfulfilling for them? Well, that's such a brilliant question because in many ways, uh, when I was saying earlier, most people are unconfident. I'm basically talking about this stage that you're referring to, which is known as the mediocrity stage, AKA the comfort zone. And um, just to give you a quick little story, cause I know we're, uh, as you mentioned, we're running down. Yeah. We got um, like five minutes, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I, I met with uh, one of my friends recently, one of my friends that I've known for five to 10 years. And, you know, at this point I've been through a lot of dark shit in my life and we're like chopping it up. I was like, what's the darkest thing you've been through? And he's just like, bro, I kid you not, man. In college, like I got a D in Orgo that one time. <laughs> I was like, no, I mean, I'm talking about like the darkest thing you've gone through. He's like, bro, that's it right that's there. That's it. Damn. For a guy like that, for a guy like that, he's never felt pain to be stretched past like your limiting beliefs. Cause as you mentioned, our culture is trying to condition us for mediocrity so we can easily be controlled. So when you asked, um, do people still have a, a chance at, at greatness? I do think so, but the pain really, really has to be bad. Like it has to be, I'm talking about like rock bottom and, and like 10 levels below that rock bottom to stretch past limiting beliefs. Cause when you feel that kind of pain, that's when you're, you're speaking to your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind is listening. Like, okay, what are we going to do to get out of this? And that's when you start rebuilding yourself. Every single person that has, gone into self-improvement, every single person's journey was born through pain. Uh, there's not going to be one person who was living like a comfort zone life and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to really <laughs> You know, yeah. 
because self-improvement is a painful journey. Yeah. But why, why is it? Yeah. And this may sound daunting, but a lot of us are running away from the pain to chase glory. And that's how the self-improvement journey begins. It's not just you chasing glory. That's like a myth. You're really running away from pain. You never want to feel that pain again, which makes you chase your grandest self. So for people that are in mediocrity, and if one of your listeners views uh, like they're in mediocrity, embrace any pain that you can get and understand that rock bottom is chapter one of the, the greatest story ever. Couldn't agree more, man. Without a doubt, that's it, it, I can again. I can I can testify to that one hundred percent because that's what got me here. And you know, Armani can actually say the same thing for himself, as he mentioned earlier. So uh, yeah, so it looks like we're out of time for today. Um, we're gonna go to wrap this one up, man. It's, it was great talking to you, man. Great discussion. Loved it, man. Yeah, yeah. We probably could have gone on for another hour easily. <laughs> But, Easily, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. That'll set us up for the next one, man. Because I'm definitely gonna have, you know, this first round of guests. I'm gonna follow them up with, with the uh, follow up episodes. You know, probably a month, two months down the line, as, as this thing develops anymore. So, uh, before we take off, man, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you online and how they can connect with you and you know find your email list and, and all that other stuff. Sure. Uh, your listeners can find me on ArmaniTalks.com, and from there you can also subscribe to my email list and my Twitter as well. Um, I traditionally post blogs, podcasts, videos to help you level up your communication skills. So make sure you check out ArmaniTalks.com. Armani, man, it's been great. I really, thanks again for coming on. I really, I enjoyed it. Um, can't wait to do it again. Um, so I guess uh, I'll holler at you, you know, for the second go around. And, Perfect. Uh, yeah, to my listeners, thank you all again for, for tuning into Unwasted Mind. Um, before we take off, I want to let you know that you can Check me out uh, online at my personal Twitter, Fire From Within. You can also follow the Unwasted Mind Twitter at Unwasted Mind. Follow the Instagram, Unwasted Mind, and uh, check out unwastedmind.com. I got a lot of new content I'm publishing. So uh, until next time, y'all, you know, keep learning, keep growing, keep living, keep loving, and uh, keep that beautiful mind of yours unwasted.